Yeah, I mean, when you look at the product on the field, the Bears did not look like a team that was prepared to play that game, especially when you have an entire offseason you know, to prepare for this one game, your biggest rivals, a chance to get back on the right side of the rivalry, all of this talk during the offseason, and that's the product that was put on the field. Well, I mean, you look at both teams. One is a well-coached team in the Packers that they know what they're doing. They were ready and prepared for that game, yep. and the Bears just weren't. They didn't look like they belonged on the same field, especially in the second half there. Welcome into the show. Ryan O'Leary here, along with my good friend, Alyssa Barbieri. It's the Bears Wire podcast. We're powered by the USA Today Network and available wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that you subscribe. Leave a review for us. Stick around with us all season long. Uh, Alyssa, no need for pleasantries this week at all. Not after the uh, product the Bears put on the field in week one. I'll give you the floor because you were texting me before the game was even over, and I know you were fuming. So let me just give you the floor right away. How are you feeling about your football team coming off this beatdown at the hands of the Green Bay Packers? You have had a couple nights now to digest it fully, right? How are you feeling about the team? What's your leadoff thought? Yeah, uh, that was pretty much the worst thing that could have happened. Uh, you know, in all the different ways they could have lost that game. I don't think anyone expected it to be a blowout. And like I was texting you before it was over. And it's like, it's over. And I actually, like, I know technically it wasn't over after that first drive, but to me, it felt like it was, it's always a gut feeling with me. And you can, you can, like, I could tell, like, I mean, it's kind of an overreaction, but like when you come into penalty on the first play and then Luke Gutsy's back to being his conservative play call on the, you know, the third and one, the fourth and one, like everything. I was just like, Oh no, they're not mm-hmm. winning this game today. But then, you know, it was 10 and six at halftime. I'm like, okay, somehow they're still in this game. So maybe if they just like, you know, completely become another football team uh you know maybe they have a chance here and then they just got blown out and Packers players were laughing at them and the fans you know fans on Twitter were and it was just like it was as demoralizing a loss that I can remember especially as a season opener and a very long time I mean it was like it got to the point by the end of the game and like when it was had already spiraled out of control it was just like Wow. I, I, I didn't even have words. I wasn't even angry. I was just exhausted after. And like, I had to watch that whole game and just, it, it was, it just like took everything out of me. And that was about as bad as it could have been. Bears fans were kind of conditioned to think that it was going to be better this time. Right. And, and I think that's kind of where my opening commentary on this game starts. And I, I don't want to dunk on what I said in the preview episode last week. I did pick the Packers and I, you know, I folks that want to, hear that can go back and listen if you can stomach it it was in the second segment of last week's episode (laughs) please do if you want but number one i think entering this game bears fans were kind of blinded a little bit by like this it can only go up from here optimism that i think has been gaining steam Alyssa, ever since the start of the new league year right we got through last season and everything since the start of the new league year has kind of been a, a kind of a positive thing like this boulder rolling downhill of positivity and we've the optimism was there heading into this game and i think you know, you go up against a Green Bay team that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers with the additions the Bears made, especially on offense. You think, yeah, on paper, we're close. We're close to Green Bay. And I think if you just look at the two rosters, yeah, the, the Bears are close, closer than they've been in years. But the the thing is, you don't play it on paper. You play it on the field, right? And I think my big fear going into the ball game was that the Packers were just not really an underdog, even though they were listed as a one-point dog, one-and-a-half-point dog going into the game. I thought the Packers were felt like a favorite going in because 
we talked about it last week, right? They have that legit defense that they could hang their hat on. If one unit was going to dominate the game, I thought it could be the Packers defense. And the Packers, I think at this point, they just have like a bread and butter. They just, we can make fun of Matt LaFleur's punchable face and his manicured chin strap beard, Alyssa, which is fun. And I don't, I hope we never stop doing that. But LaFleur is an excellent play caller, right? He's a really good offensive coordinator too. And he's got an established offense and he doesn't have an established quarterback. Jordan Love, this is the first time we really saw him, I guess, in any real action. Uh, But he's been in the system, right? He's been around for three years. He's been practicing. He's been in LaFleur's scheme. Like, I just think that was the biggest difference to me. It was that Jordan Love operated and looked like a quarterback who was comfortable in the game plan. He could trust his protection, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, He was confident in the plays that were being called. He was just everything. He was just comfortable in what he was being asked to do, what he was being asked to operate. It looked like the opposite for Justin Fields, didn't it? He looked uncomfortable. He looked unsure of himself. His protection sucked as usual. And it's just like when the Bears found themselves in those sticky situations, those third and longs, like, like Justin talked about after the game, where do you go to? What's your bread and butter? Right. Like you just don't the Bears don't have that yet. And I think that's a major problem. It's the major difference between the Bears and Packers on the field right now. On paper, it's closer. On the field, it's not, right? And I think that's my biggest takeaway. The Bears gotta figure out what they do well. They have no clue right now, Alyssa. That's a big problem. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the product on the field, the Bears did not look like a team that was prepared to play that game. Especially when you have an entire offseason. You know, to prepare for this one game, your biggest rivals, a chance to get back on the right side of the rivalry, all of this talk during the offseason, and that's the product that was put on the field. Well, I mean, you look at both teams. One is a well-coached team in the Packers that they know what they're doing. They were ready and prepared for that game, yep. and the Bears just weren't. They didn't look like they belonged on the same field, especially in the second half there. That was about as, as brutal as it could get. And like you mentioned, you know, Justin Fields, he just looked – like he looked uncomfortable. I felt like I was watching Justin Fields from the beginning of last season. I mean, this game I was getting like PTSD from the 2022 season. Like I was like, what's happening? I'm in 2023. I'm watching the Bears from 2022, although the roster's better. So what is going on here? It, it was just I did not expect that. Even I go into like Bears Packers games always knowing that you know the Packers are probably going to win until the Bears prove otherwise. But I did. I don't think anyone expected a beatdown like that happened. And yeah, I mean, with ju- looking at Justin Fields too, it's hard not to be concerned at this point. Like he, like you look at Jordan Love, and that is a perfect situation. He got to sit behind Aaron Rodgers. He got to learn that system. He's in a good system. Uh, and then you look at Justin Fields, who we're right back where we started last year, and it just seems like I mean, and and the, and they have a prime time game coming up against Washington. Like, it just feels like last year, <laughs> and it's not like, we already went through this. I don't want to go through this again. Something needs to change. Everyone needs to be held accountable. They need to come out and look like a completely different football team when they play the Bucks this Sunday. Well, sorry, Alyssa. As I told you on Sunday when we were texting, you're not allowed to give up your fandom of the Bears. You're going to have to continue <laughs> to be a Bears fan. Um, I asked you if you wanted to trade me, Patriots for Bears, and you said yes. I'm like, no, you don't, Alyssa. No, you don't. <laughs> Uh, See, you get me in the moment, like in the moment, <laughs> I am like the worst. So I watched the game with my dad and before I'm like, and he knows I'm like, I apologize for the person I'm going to be for the next three and a half hours. <laughs> it's just like in the moment, it's so bad. And I, even after the first series, I'm like, oh no, I'm, it's, all, it's already over. And like, I overreact yep. a lot. But like, I mean, I also could tell like, 
things were off and it felt familiar in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh no, not this again. Not I thought we were again. past this. The roster is better, you know, adjust. I mean, like even when they were down 10, six though, I was like, okay, just make some adjustments. Simple as that. The Packers did. And we saw what they did. They outscored them 28, 14 and the bears didn't make any adjustments at all. And it just, again, it's just infuriating. And I think, I know we're going to talk about the coaches uh, coming up here. Cause I think that all three, Matt Eberflus, uh, offensive coordinator, Luke Etsy and defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, I think their seeds are pretty hot right now. Yeah, and we definitely will get to that. Let's let's hear from the quarterback really quick. Justin Fields, you mentioned uh, kind of that lack of downfield. We, we kind of thought with the new additions, DJ Moore especially, that we would see the Bears attack a little bit more. That wasn't really the game plan, and here's Justin Fields talking about that. I mean, yeah, that was just the game plan. Um, you know, uh, I think just with those, you know, we just got to do – better blocking on the perimeter so uh just to set those up I mean if you will go back and look at the film if we you know block the guys I mean those are big chunk plays those are 10 15 yard plays 10 15 20 yard plays but uh, that was just a game plan you know um if they weren't going to match that's how we're going to throw it out there and you know let our guys work but um just uh didn't do our best at perimeter blocking you know blocking on the edge for our guys to catch the ball and run we just didn't do our best at perimeter blocking Alyssa he just seemed to be seemed to be calling out one player without saying a name there's one player in particular this big guy you can't really miss him the Bears spent a pretty high draft pick last year to to bring him in he was supposed to be a big downfield threat for the Bears bring some physicality to the screen game and there seemed to be a game plan kind of built a little bit around Chase Claypool going out there and using his physicality and helping to set the edge on the outside and what what was Chase Claypool doing out there? That's another topic we wanted to get to. And it kind of ties into the coaches being on the hot, like Luke Getzey's play calling. He came in with this plan, right, Alyssa, to try to utilize the screen game to the tight ends, to the wide receivers, whatever, the running backs. They wanted to try to attack the Packers on the boundaries. And uh, it didn't work, but, you know, the engagement level of Chase Claypool didn't help as well. I, I know you have thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole Chase Claypool situation, it just... I mean, when you go back to last season and his struggles and when people were getting on him, you know, we could always come back to the excuse. Well, they just traded for him. He's new to this offense. All these players have had months to learn this system and they're still learning it. So like, okay, yeah, that's why Claypool's struggling. But now when you look at what he did on Sunday and just, he just half-assed it out there. He didn't look like he wanted to be on the football field at all. You could tell whether, you know, it was those like those poor blocks like you're talking about or his route running or just effort as a whole. And when you consider that the Bears gave up, technically it was a second round pick when they traded it, but it was a first round pick number 32 for him. And that's the kind of performance you get out of him in a contract year. He's supposed to be he he's in a contract here. He should want to stay in Chicago. And he just looked like someone that, I don't know, maybe he doesn't want to be in Chicago. Maybe he wants to hit free agency, but that's not your best way to get paid when you're, when you look like that. And I feel like at Chase Claypool, if he isn't looking at the film from this game, I mean, I mean, if he doesn't feel embarrassed, then something's wrong. I mean, that needs to be corrected. I think that especially, I think this Tampa game is going to be huge for him if he looks the same and you see the same kind of effort, I think you bench him because it kind of goes back to before the game, things felt weird because Valus Jones and Equinanius St. Brown were healthy scratches. 
especially because, like, you know, with Luke Getzey the game plan that he had, you know, you wanted to set this up. Equinania St. Brown is our best blocking wide receiver. So why was he inactive? Great question. So I think if Chase Claypool has another poor outing, make a mouthy scratch. Start Valus or start Equinania St. Brown. Like, get one of them in there. Someone who actually wants to be on the football field and can contribute. It just, it was an embarrassment. Like, I mean, there's no, there's no more excuses for this anymore. I mean, especially because for Matt Eberflus, this reminded me a lot of that week 17 game against the Lions, remember last year, where just like and no one looked like they wanted to be on the field. Like he he looked like that and it was just really, really bad. And I'm my I mean, I'm I was already iffy on him. And in the first game of the season, now I can understand last year in that long losing streak they were on, I cannot I could see like, you know, frustrations boiling. That makes sense. This is the first week against your biggest rival. And that's the, that's the performance you put out there. It was just, it, it's uncalled for. He needs to clean up his act or they need to get rid of him. Yeah, and he's been getting ripped uh, everywhere. Um, so if he's not getting ripped in his own wide receiver film room with his wide receivers <laughs> coach, which I'm sure he will be, Alyssa, uh, he's getting ripped everywhere else. So um, you know, I, I'm sure he do, he is going to feel that. And Never mind the blocking. I mean, he's just he's added zero to the Bears, right? Since he arrived, really, he just hasn't made an impact at all. Hasn't found a way to make an impact, and uh, it, that reflects poorly on him, I think. But it also ref- reflects poorly on the Bears too. They're like, why did you bring this guy in? What was the plan with him? I don't understand the plan with Chase Claypool. Like, what what are we doing here? And it comes back to Getzy and the play calling, right? I know the fans were not ha- happy with him at all. Uh, I think at halftime, did you have a, a story up on bears wire with fans just ripping Getsy's play calling? Oh, that was my best post of the day. Of course too. it was. You know yeah. It. And it started with like the first drive when they, you know, got stuffed on two short yardage plays in their own territory to give the ball to the Packers and go down seven, nothing. Boom. We're, we're off and running on how this Sunday is going to go. Uh, but it, obviously not a good day for Luke Getsy. It was a dud. Uh, and you know, I've kind of talked about, we don't know what the bears offensive identity is yet. Uh, and we're not really sure what is it going to be more down the field passing with Justin Fields. We didn't see that in this game. Uh, we didn't see the designed runs with Justin Fields, which we saw a lot last year towards the end of the season where the bears found some success. We just saw this like weird lateral passing and they tried to get the run game going, but that wasn't really working either. Right. Alyssa. So, uh, What's the sticking point here with Luke Getzey? What was really riling the fans up the most? I think the fact that it's more of the same from last year. I mean, again, like like with the Claypool thing, you could ha- you could make the excuse for Getzey last year. This was his first time calling plays, you know, right at the NFL level and with the Bears. So, and you know, players still learning the scheme. Like you could make those kind of excuses, and he, and he got better as the season went along. But again, this is the same stuff that ultra conservative play calling, failure to make adjustments that happened last season in those first six weeks that got them into trouble. And and again, the most frustrating, and I wrote that in the first half of the game too. And that was before things just really spiraled out of control. So, and then the fact that even after that first half where they were still in the game, only down four. And then in the second half, like, again, he failed to make the adjustments. I mean, when you look at Justin Fields, like what he did best last year, and like, because you want to make sure he's feeling confident. We saw what an un- like an unconfident Justin Fields looked like at the beginning of last season. When you get him on the move and you have those design quarterback runs, you help make him feel more comfortable, and that's when he can really start to be that quarterback that the Bears think he can be. 
And the fact that there was one design quarterback run is ridiculous. I mean, oh, there, there's so much with Getsy too. And just the screens. Oh my God, Ryan, this, if like everyone was fed up with the screens, like when I was like pulling tweets for this, like everyone was like, Oh my God, screens, this screens that like, I understand like during the preseason, or at least that one game against the Titans, where you know the screens worked and they were two touchdowns. Don't get me started okay, so, on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Seriously. So Getsy was probably like, "Okay, let's do this all the time." Uh, yep. That's not how this works. You have to actually have them blocked upright. And I mean, it, it was just really infuriating just to see how, again, more of the same. It's like he doesn't. Him and Fields like aren't meshing together. Like he for like it feels like they're trying to make Justin Fields a pocket passer. And again, this is the same conversation we had last year at this time or a couple weeks at this time last year. Just that's not who Justin Fields is. So stop trying to force him to stay in the pocket. Get him on the move. Like you saw that with the Packers, like, you know, they are able to fit a game plan to fit, you know, Jordan Love. I mean, it's it's really simple. And I even joked at one point, I was like, is Luke Getze like, you know, is he do pulling an inside job here for the Packers? Like, is he like a spy or something? <laughs> Maybe. Like, cause he can't be this stupid, right? I'm like, really, we're back to this. I don't know. It just, it, it felt very off. And again, I felt like I was watching 2022 and I'm like, I don't want to relive that. Not after last year. Once was enough. Thank you. In WordPress, you can just copy a story from last year, right? And just kind of reuse the article, maybe change a few words. Because I think you could have done that. I think you wrote some of the same stories about Luke Getze last year. We had the same, you're right. We had the same conversations. You wrote the same articles about him. Uh, so yeah, Getze, we got to hope this is just, you know, a one-off, a bad game and and hope they've got things figured out. But I don't know. I think the protection up front for Fields is a, is a huge problem. Uh, I saw in The Athletic, Alyssa, he was pressured on 65.1% of his passes uh, so that is the the second highest total yeah. of his career. Um, and again, yeah, I, do, I don't want to blame like everything on Getzy too. I'm going to point that out there because when you look at the offense, it was everyone's fault. It was Getzy. Right. It was Justin Fields. It was the offensive line. It's just like with Getzy, that's the game plan that you go into this game with. It just really, especially when you look at you know downfield passing, right? The fact that Fields had three passes that traveled more than ten yards, which is just absurd especially since one of them was a touchdown to Darnell Moody, right, a beautiful, right. a beautiful throw. And it's like, where is that? Where is that? Like, we know that Justin Fields is a very accurate downfield passer. He did that at Ohio state. I watched it repeatedly. It, it was, it drove me insane. Um, so like you want to see it. Cause like when I look at Getsy, he kind of seems like, it seems like he doesn't know his quarterback or he's like, Oh gosh, I can't believe I'm bringing the same. Like he's like Matt Nagy kind of like trying to force, you know, what he wants to run, even though it's not fitting his players. I don't know. I just got PTSD from the whole thing, whether it was last season, Matt Nagy, oh, it was all bad. Yeah, no, we don't, we, we don't want to live in that world, but I guess it hasn't gotten too much better, <laughs> even though <laughs> we've been trying to put a positive spin on it over the, over the last couple of years here. But uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think sometimes the offensive coordinator can get a little carried away with, okay, we're, we're down some key offensive linemen, Tevin Jenkins, right? Um, there's got to be more pressure than we want. The Packers have a really good front seven. They're going to be a problem. So let's do a lot of quick passes. We're going to go lateral. We're going to try to outflank them out there and catch them in some of their pressure packages, whatever. And sometimes I just think coaches can just get too carried away with that thing, you know, and that's, that, that might be what happened, but I think it's fair. I thought, you know, the, the pressure stuff that the athletic wrote about was telling with, with fields having that much 
pressure at his face all game long. And then you just compare that to Jordan Love, who uh, Zach Cruz of the Packers Wire tweeted that it looked like on his dropbacks, it was seven on sevens in training camp. His pocket was so clean. And it's true. It's just the Bears' lack of pass rush is an is a big problem on defense as well. And and that one, I want to talk about Eberflus as well, right? It's not just not just Getze. He's the head coach, Matt Eberflus. He's overseeing the operation, and he's a defensive guy. He was supposed to come in here, Alyssa, and transform this Bears defense into a, an attacking, snarling. Like I, I pictured them being more like a Cowboys, you know, like a snarling pressure. We're gonna take the ball from you. We're gonna, you know, this is what we were expecting. He had a really good unit in uh, in in Indianapolis before he got here. The defense hasn't been good. The defense was horrible last year. I know as they, you know, as Ryan Poles got rid of good defensive players and traded them and, and started to rebuild that unit. They're still in the middle of a rebuild there. I get it. The defense isn't good enough, though. They're not getting enough pressure. I know they brought in Yannick Ngakwe. He had a sack, right? But it's like, I don't know. They're not getting enough pressure. And it doesn't seem like Alan Williams was sending a lot of pressure. He wasn't doing a lot to try to get Jordan Love uncomfortable. And uh, what'd you see from Tremaine Edmonds out there? Because it seemed like the Packers were picking on those guys in pass and uh, in pass coverage, right? And picking on them a little bit. So, what's the defense doing well? That's another. That's another big worry, especially going into <laughs> next week against a veteran laden Tampa Bay team, which we're going to talk about. I mean, I guess I can start with like a one kind of positive, but I'm just kind of nitpicking here. But um, they held Green Bay to only 92 rushing yards, which was very surprising considering well, Aaron Jones is, and Aaron and AJ Dillon are on that team. Well, Aaron so Jones like, got hurt. So that might've helped. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Hey, they still held them to under a hundred yards. So I'm rushing yards. So I'll, I'll give them that. But again, it's just like put an asterisk next to that. Um, but yeah, that was brutal. I mean, like, I think that was the one thing Jermaine Edmonds was doing well. I mean, but yeah, that's defense. Cause I mean, obviously Justin Fields and the offense and those struggles are going to be talked about, but I, I mean, the defense just looked abysmal and it, and kind of like what we've been talking about so far in this episode is it, it had shades of last season, but this is a much better roster from last year. So it comes off. It's just completely shocking to me. And I think the biggest issue and like, yes, Matt Eberflus, but also this is like, he's letting Alan Williams call this defense. This is his defense. Eberflus takes a step back. And what we've learned from Williams over this, you know, last year plus, he's allergic to blitzing. He just doesn't want to blitz the quarterback. He consistently rushes four. And for a young quarterback like Jordan Love making his second career start, like you're just asking him to just completely shred you in the secondary. He looked just so comfortable back there. And the Bears, you know, that was that was a lot on them. And out, like you said, outside of, you know, Nick and Gakwe's early sack they just couldn't get close to love and that just is not a recipe for success we saw it last season i mean i don't think love looked really impressive in the first half but then in the second half obviously i think he he got better as it went but i mean this he was also without christian watson his number one receiver and romeo dobbs who you know was banged up with a hamstring injury it just the defense was awful and that's with all of these upgrades. How much money did Ryan Pohl spend on this defense? And it was the same result. Actually worse than when they played the Packers uh, twice last year. Painful. Painful. But at least we did pull um, one 
optimistic thing out of you, Alyssa, that they held them under 100 yards. <laughs> That's good rushing. That's good. That's re- I'm reaching here. <laughs> yeah, I think with Alan Williams, like it's one thing, you know, if you're if your defense and your belief is that you're not going to send extra pressure and that's how that's your your MO. Uh, that's fine. But you got to get pressure with your front f- the four rushers you do send have to get pressure then for that defense to work. If you're not getting any pressure, you're screwed. So yeah, I think they got to look at defense too and we got to look at everything. And we're going up against a Tampa Bay team that I think a lot of people thought was going to suck and maybe on schedule day we thought this could be a win, Alyssa. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 1-0. They just knocked off Minnesota on the road. The Bears are dogs heading to Tampa Bay for, for the Bucks' home opener. We're going to get into that one, too, and see if we can find some more optimism. Can the, can the Bears bounce back and get a win in Tampa? We'll talk about that coming up next. But first, some fantasy advice from our friend Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com. I'm Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com, here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number two. Quarterback Anthony Richardson, Indianapolis Colts at Houston Texans. While the Texans held Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson to practically nothing both aerially and on the ground last week, Baltimore found success rushing the ball, which is something we're not convinced you'll see from Indy this week. Richardson should be the team's leading rusher, and he has a strong chance of scoring at least one touchdown with his legs. Passing-wise, however, it's fair to be leery of the rookie's maturation in only his second game, but all he needs is something around 230 passing yards and a touchdown strike to augment his rushing success for a quarterback one finish. Running back Jamal Williams, New Orleans Saints at Carolina Panthers. In week one, no defense gave up more fantasy football success to running backs than Carolina, a unit that was only mediocre at slowing the position last year. On Sunday, the Saints had a tough rushing matchup versus Tennessee, and Williams' numbers suffered as a result. He is poised to produce at least 100 combined yards and one touchdown against a defense that permitted 177 total yards and a trio scores to Atlanta running backs last weekend. Wide receiver Elijah Moore, Cleveland Browns at Pittsburgh Steelers. More tied to Murray Cooper with seven targets last week, suggesting the former New York Jet has a real chance of blossoming in this offense. Pittsburgh gave up two scores to Brandon Ayuk last week, and this was the fifth weakest unit at slowing the position in PPR scoring. At a minimum, Moore should be treated as a quality flex play, especially in PPR. Tight end Cole Komet, Chicago Bears at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Komet was good for a modest line of 9.4 PPR points on his five catches for 44 yards in Week 1 versus Green Bay. Tampa has struggled at times in the last few years of containing the position, including in Week one when this unit surrendered a league-high 11 catches, although for just 67 yards. Volume rarely is part of Komet's game, so consider him a little bit volatile, but he still has tight end one upside if you're in a situation to gamble. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. The Bears head on the road to face the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bears' Alyssa are three-point underdogs heading into this one. Feels about right. (laughs) What kind of confidence do you have? In your Chicago Bears on the road, uh, Chicago, you know, in case you forgot, on Sunday, they were outscored 31-8 to by Green Bay during a, a certain stretch from the second quarter on in that game until they got a touchdown. So um, they've lost 11 straight regular season games. I'm trying to remember the last time the Bears won. Was it against my Patriots? It was. Oh, I was God. just going to say, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, Thank yeah. you for that because we would have mm-hmm. been on like a 15 game losing streak. Seriously. Or something like that. Who knows? So what do you think? What's your confidence level that the Bears could finally, you know, nip this thing in the bud and, and start a winning streak for a change? Okay. So, you know, after having, you know, a couple of days after the game, if you would ask me, I'm like, they're going to get blown out by the Bucks. But, you know, this is one game. It was a bad one. We saw a lot of other NFL teams, especially teams a lot better than the Bears in week one, just completely, you know, what the bed. So, I mean, 
I have I have confidence that it's going to be much better. I mean, how do you get worse than that? And I really don't want to tempt the universe there, but that was brutal. So I do think there will be adjustments made, or I'm hoping, because I don't know how you can watch the film of that game and not. But it's difficult to go to face any team on the road. And I think especially this Tampa Bay team, I mean, they beat the, they beat the Vikings this week. And you look at that defense that rattled Kirk Cousins. And especially when you look at what the Packers, who also have a good defense, were able to do to fields, I'm not feeling uh, very uh, optimistic <laughs> uh, about that. But I do think the offense will be better, I hope. The, I mean, the offensive line, when you look at, you know, the struggles that they had in, in that opener, I think it, you can attribute a lot of that to the fact that they were really weren't on the field together at all during the preseason or even during training camp. I think there was one practice and this is including Tevin Jenkins, who's on IR, but I think there was one practice during camp where the entire starting offensive line was together and that's it. So I think that's a big part of it, but the offensive line needs to get better. It's as simple as that. Um, Otherwise fields is going to be on his back and it's going to be just, just brutal. And then you look at, you know, Baker Mayfield. I mean, he really didn't do much, but he also protected the football, which is important. And when you look at what the Bears defense or the lack of pressure they were able to get to Jordan Love, I mean, Baker Mayfield could have a game too. I mean, I'm things need to get better. I don't think it's going to be as bad, but I would definitely not pick the Bears to win this game. I need them to to show that they're going to improve. I do think they will be better, but I mean, it's difficult to go on the road. I think it would be difficult to play the Bucks in Chicago, yet alone in Tampa. So, I mean, I'm not feeling very confident is my short answer, right? No, me either. Uh, but I was hoping to find like a little bit more insight on Tampa Bay. They did play the Vikings. I now live in Minnesota, randomly, uh, <laughs> for folks that didn't you know, learn about that. Maybe didn't listen to our, our preseason episodes. Yeah, I live in Minnesota now, randomly. And uh, I figured, Alyssa, you know, on Monday morning, I figured I'll turn on Minnesota Sports Radio. I'll hear what they got to say. Maybe they're going to give me some insight on how the Bucks uh, beat the Vikings, be able to just rip the Vikings. Maybe they'll just rip Kirk Cousins. I just want to hear what the vibe is on Minnesota Sports Radio. It was in the morning. I was on my way home from dropping off my son at daycare, and they were talking about uh, dog movies of the 90s. So that was the that was the topic when I turned it on. I said, "Nope, I'm going to flip back on my Boston sports radio and listen to them rip Bill Belichick and the Patriots for losing." So that's what I did. Uh, but yeah, so meanwhile in Chicago, meanwhile yeah. in Chicago, the sky was falling. Yeah. So I mean, that just tells you the complete difference. Could not imagine. Yeah, could not imagine. It was probably my kind of sports radio right there in Chicago. What was going on? Not in Minnesota though. You, you wouldn't even know the Vikings <laughs> lost. They were goofing around and talking about again dog movies of the 90s one of the hosts had not seen beethoven yet beethoven yeah beethoven that was the, that was it i love beethoven it's a great movie uh so anyway and beethoven's second too i mean like they're both good <laughs> so i don't i didn't i wasn't <laughs> we're about able, to get into this right we're about sure. to turn this into a dog no podcast. no <laughs> bears fans will get too pissed at us uh the vikings fans expect that but not bears fans uh yeah. so I don't have any extra insight, unfortunately, on on what happened in that ball game. I just do. I, I know the Bucks. They don't have the run game that Green Bay does, so their run game definitely doesn't scare me. I think actually the Bucks struggle in the run run department. But what scares me about the Bucks is they just have players. They have veteran players everywhere. Alyssa, right? Like yeah. here's just a few: Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Tristan Wirfs, Vita Vea, Devin White, Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Carlton Davis. I mean, veterans all over the place. Guys that were key parts of the Super Bowl team a couple years ago. And I think, you know, the Bears are coming in and they're still trying to figure out who they are. They, they're trying to figure out their identity. 
They're trying to mesh new guys. It's just two teams in different spots. And I know the the Bucks do. They're breaking in a new quarterback in Baker Mayfield. But say what you want about him. The dude battles, right? I mean, the dude, if you don't get in his face and hit him, he's going to hurt you and he's going to beat you. And again, it comes down to what we were talking about earlier. Can Allen Williams and Matt Eberflus figure out a way to get more pressure on the quarterback and on offense, could Luke Getzey find a way to get the ball to DJ Moore? I mean, this is our God, yes. this is our prized addition on offense. And what did he get? Three targets in the game, Alyssa? I mean, yeah, we- he had two, and then the one extra point. Oh, right, right. Okay. I mean, sorry, two point conversion attempts. Mm-hmm. No, I know. Yeah, what you meant. it was. He was grossly underutilized. It was. I remember, like, we were talking at the break, and I was like, "Oh my God, Ryan." I forgot to mention the DJ more of it all, which was huge. But like, there was so much that happened that like, I just completely forgot about DJ more like Luke Getzey forgot about DJ more apparently. Uh, so yeah, that was, I mean, the bears need to, you traded the number one pick and you acquired DJ more. You finally have a number one wide receiver for Justin Fields and the two times you target him, which were on the same drive, by the way, same drive. And he caught both of them for 25 yards. And then mm-hmm. you just like ignore him the rest. Again, back to the Luke. I don't understand this at all. And you can't tell me DJ Moore wasn't getting open. Uh, but again, they didn't stretch the field a lot. So, I mean, just really frustrating. But you have to get your number one receiver involved because you can bet your butt that Mike Evans <laughs> and, and uh, Chris Godwin are going to are going to be involved uh, the big focal points uh, for Baker Mayfield on that offense. Yeah, I think Mayfield's going to throw it to his best guys. So, and this is what really got me going about that preseason game where DJ Moore caught the ball at the line of scrimmage, Alyssa, and ran all the way. <laughs> and everyone was losing their minds and saying, This is, remember I said on the podcast, this is why we got DJ Moore. Yeah, everyone is saying that. It's like, no, no, it's just, please, can we not overreact by this stupid preseason game? Like, we actually got him. Because he's a real receiver who wins at the line of scrimmage, gets leverage, and gets downfield, and we can hit him downfield and make plays that impact the game down the field. So I would just I would love to see them try that. I would love to see them try to throw the ball to Chase Claypool and DJ Moore. Two guys who were brought to this team, I thought, to stretch the field and, and get the ball down the field. Okay. Like I, I And also, hey, Darnell Mooney to get in on that action. You had that nice touchdown. Just throw down the field. I don't care if yes. Tyler Scott. Put Bayless Jones in there. I don't care. Just throw the ball down the field. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I get the short game is is a thing and it's part of the game plan. It's going to be, yeah, we'll have checkdowns, we'll have Cole Komet underneath. Like, yeah, that's fine. But can we please try to push it a little bit and take some more chances? Or are we just gonna just continue to play this game, Alyssa, where we just run into the ground on offense? while the defense struggles and creates a deficit, right? Like, is this what we're going to continue to do? So uh, for all that reasons, as we get to the prediction portion of the show here, uh, I do think the offense will have its moments. I think Fields will have his moments. To me, I'm, I'm still most worried about the defense because they're just not getting enough pressure. They're not making enough plays on that side of the ball. So until you start doing that, I can't pick you with any confidence. And I think the Bucks, too many veterans, uh, they're one to know they're in their home opener tough spot for the bears. Uh, so if I'm like a betting man, I'm, I'm looking at this, this spread. I think I'd go on the buck side of this. I just, I think it's a bad spot. Yeah. I was actually surprised that Tampa were only three point favorites considering they're at home. I was like, wow, man, give me that bet any day. I will take that. I mean, like you said, I just think that I think the bucks had the better roster, better team. I think they're, they, they're better coached because when you look, especially at, you know, how the Bears were outplayed and outcoached, just outclassed in every regard against the Packers. I mean, 
this is this is a Tampa team that you know we we wrote off. I wrote off at least in the offseason. I was like, okay, yeah, they have a new quarterback, blah blah blah. You know, the Bears. You know, if they should if they take that step, they should be able to contend, and they should that should be a, an attainable win for them. But you know, now I'm sitting and looking back, and I mean, that was a convincing win against Minnesota. I mean, I don't think Minnesota is going to win 13 games again this season, but that's still a really good team. So. I don't know. And then when you look at the Vikings defense, I mean, they're not good, but the bears are worse. And then I just, I don't have a good feeling about this game, which I don't know. Please prove me wrong. Please prove me wrong. Cause I'm getting really tired of doing the same damn show every week, Ryan. I don't want to talk about something new. <laughs> well, it is kind of fun ranting and raving about the, the bears, but I haven't, I actually, I have a, I think I know something that would cheer you up and make you feel better. Alyssa, you oh should, you should Please. go. Get a box of po- get a little bowl of popcorn and watch Beethoven. That could be that could actually bring your spirits oh. up. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I have not seen Beethoven in a in a hot minute. I love Beethoven. I used to watch. Uh, I remember when I was a kid and like my mom ran a daycare and she'd be there on the weekends like doing work and I'd be at the little TV with the VCR. I had Beethoven and Beethoven second. And I would just like watch them. <laughs> Classic. So there is a feel good movie. So like after the Bears lose to the Buccaneers and maybe I just pop Beethoven in there and. <laughs> You know, just, you know, try to just, I don't know, try to feel better because, I mean, this this doesn't feel like a, a game that's going to go the Bears' way. Again, please prove me wrong. Um, but, I mean, I, I really am like a, a pessimistic kind of person with oh, the me Bears. Too. But can you blame me? I mean, oh, my goodness. Like, the 20-plus years I've been a fan now, it's just been awful uh, most of the time. <laughs> so, I just, like, I'm going into this game, like, really not expecting anything and just hoping that they prove me wrong and that they make the adjustments. Cause like, I mean, how is that? How are the bears like not embarrassed by the product that they put on the field? You have to feel like now pride's going to take over. They're going to go out there and be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, we're not doing this again. That was brutal. Uh, uh-uh. uh, yep. I, but, I I think we'll see a, a better looking team. I don't, I don't think they're going to win or anything, but I think they're, we're going to see a better yeah. team. And I think just the experience and the veteran leadership of the bucks, the fact that they're just a little bit tighter their coaching staff's been around a little bit longer. Their players have been together a little bit longer. I think that'll play a difference on the road, in the heat, in Tampa Bay. I just think all that kind of plays a factor. But yeah, I, if they get blown out, I mean, they shouldn't get blown out by this team. I think this should be a game. I just I like the Bucks to to win it by a touchdown or something. But I mean, it should be like last week, Alyssa. If it is, we're gonna be <laughs> it's gonna the alarm bells will be ringing in Chicago. See if this is like if this is like last week, then. I'm going to bring up the the segment that I did during Matt Nagy's last year, which is the hot seat. And like, we're yep. remember like we'd rated a certain, like I'm about to bring that back. I'll do one on eat. I'll do one on Matt Eberflus. I'll do one on the Getsy. I'll do one on Alan Williams. I mean, this, what, what happened against the Packers cannot happen against the Bucks. Even if you're staring down Owen two, you need to be, find a way to be competitive in this game. It cannot, what happened last week can just simply cannot happen. You heard it here. If, if, the Bears get blown out again. The hot, what was it? The hot seat meter? What was it again? Yeah, the hot seat meter. Or hot I'm about seat to hit tracker. That graphics guy up. Yeah. Be like, holy, I'm any three of these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the hot seat meter for the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and the head coach. So you look for that on Bears Fire uh, coming up. But always great stuff, of course, for Alyssa Barbieri. Uh, once again, I'm Ryan O'Leary. We appreciate you for joining us each week. Each week. We hope you stick around all season long. We'll be back, win or lose, uh, to talk about what happened with the Bears. It won't always be positive, I don't think, but we're going to give you our honest feedback. We hope you enjoy it, and we'll catch you again next week. As always, bear down. 